On the Road to Mac Stock with Rachel Schmitz. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by the Mac Voices Dispatch, our weekly newsletter to keep you up on all the latest from Mac Voices. Watch or listen to Mac Voices straight from your email client. Sign up at macvoices.com slash newsletter and stay up to date. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, as you well know by now, we are on the road to MacStock. We're talking to all the presenters, or at least as many as we can get scheduled, who will be delivering their talks at MacStock Conference and Expo in Chicago at the end of – actually, in Woodstock, I'm sorry, near Chicago at the end of July. Um, it's one of those things where we would love to have you there, so please visit MacStockConferenceAndExpo.com. Find out about attending, find out about the virtual ticket, find out about all the details about the speakers and what they're going to be talking about. This time around, though, we get to talk to another first-time uh, MacStock speaker, and that is Rachel Schmitz. Rachel, welcome. It's great to see you. Thanks, Chuck. I'm really excited to talk to you today. I'm excited to have you because I know you um, as a MacStock attendee. Of course, I know you as the wife of Mike Schmitz, and I'm sure sorry about that. Please tell him <laughs> I said that. Um, <laughs> but um, you, to, to see you now as a speaker, I'm really anxious to uh, to see how you're going to do it and and what you're going to talk about. Just because I when I when I think of you, I don't think of geek or nerd. You're correct. I am married to a nerd. And so kind of by osmosis, you pick up things <laughs> subconsciously. <laughs> you just, it just gets filtered into your subconscious. And it's a part of me in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> Not to the degree of my husband or many other people that I love at MaxDoc. But um, yeah, when I was asked to present this year, I didn't say yes right away. I waited probably a few weeks to respond, just mostly because I'm not afraid of public speaking, but it was more so because I wasn't convinced I had value to bring to the conference attendees in why they go to MaxDoc. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think it makes perfect sense, and I, I respect you for thinking along those lines because – that's what we're all trying to do. Anybody that gets up on that stage, we're trying to deliver something, you know, that doesn't feed our egos, but that helps the attendees. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm definitely not looking for um, the spotlight. <laughs> but if I have a message to share that can help people, then I'm not going to withhold that either. So with the theme being learn, that was the main reason why Mike can. Um, not Mike, my husband, but Mike, the founder of MaxDoc, <laughs> um, why he asked me because he's like, well, learn is right in your wheelhouse. So I think you would have something to offer the MaxDoc audience. And as I considered that angle, I could see how it would be a good fit. So absent your husband, um, why is learn right in your wheelhouse? What's your background? So I have always loved learning. So if you go way back, I've always been one of those weird children that loved school. I hated missing school. I continued on after high school to get um, my first degree in, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts. 
and uh, focus on photography. And then I continued school and have a Bachelor of Theology as well. And now I am homeschooling my five children. So I am continually learning, like every day, and relearning algebra and relearning and relearning a lot of um, things in history and whatever subject each of my children are in. Um, so I, I love learning. I love um, finding out about things or discovering things that I forgot or hadn't yet been exposed to. So um, I'm very passionate about learning and education. And so that's kind of like a basic background of why I love the topic of learning so much. So I'm going to come back to the learn part. But if you have um, a, a bachelor's in fine arts and photography, you're almost almost automatically a bit of a geek, um, or at least in today's world, because how do you do how do you do photography without knowing software and doing computers? Unless you're just one of those, you know, complete classic people who want to go into the dark room and smell chemicals. So actually, my background is with um, film, and I was a lab tech in college as well. That was my main job in college. And so even the first four years about of um, starting my business called The Art of, Art of Kairos, I focused on wedding photography. I actually did it all with film. And it wasn't until 2010 that I finally made the switch to my first DSLR. <laughs> it took me a while. I mean, di great digital cameras were available, but I was so comfortable in my own craft that I wasn't willing or ready to switch. Um, so when I did... I had to relearn because it was completely different mindset shooting digital versus film because film, I was more, I curated a lot more from behind the camera as I was shooting because you have 24 frames in a roll before you have to change it. Um, with digital, it doesn't really matter as long as you have enough memory cards. And so I noticed my, how I, my style kind of, morphed and changed. And then also the part I didn't love was on the computer learning different software. And the tools I learned kind of changed over the course of time. I hated editing photographs because any given event I'd have over 2000 pictures. So to curate down to the keepable ones and then with digital people have this different level of expectation in how the finished images should look. And that in, in and of itself is a big challenge because you're not shooting straight off the camera in a beautiful way because you are a talented photographer. It's like, oh, I can take a decent shot. And then in post-production, I can make it look really great. And that was a big change for me. Oh. Do you think it was a change Overall, at the end of the day, is it, a, is it a change for the better or is it a change, I don't want to say for the worse, but maybe not not as as, as satisfying as a photographer? Yeah, I would, there's a little of both. I feel that I was able to capture more special moments when I switched to digital because I just kept shooting. And there was moments that I may not have caught previously because I was more carefully choosing what to capture. Um, but there is an element of knowing your craft in such a way, um, like sh being able to shoot in full manual mode, which I still did with a digital camera. 
Um, and when I closed my business in 2020, actually, I a lot of what um, changed my clientele backing up five years previous, I started doing corporate um, contract work instead of weddings because I was really getting tired of competing with all the people that said, oh, I have a digital camera. I'll shoot your wedding for a few hundred dollars. I'm going, well, I, I can't, com- I, I'm not really willing to compete in that field anymore because people didn't really see the value difference there. Um, so yeah, I mean, looking back, there's a lot of value to my background because I really got to know my craft and my tools and my camera and what all of that entails in photography. And it definitely changed with digital. And a lot of people just were like, oh, yep, I can shoot pictures. And now with the iPhone, even more. And it's great. It's all good. Like things change. Technology is good when you use it the right way. But, you know, we just have to adapt. And I love, I love the, you, you referenced your craft uh, several times. Obviously, you took it very seriously, and especially if you were shooting film up to 2010, uh, that that says a lot about how serious you were about the craft of photography. Because you're right, you know, either 200 shots in an iPhone or in a, a DSLR is nothing, but 24 in in a in a standard camera, 24 in film, yeah, you you got to be a little picky about what you what you select to shoot. Yeah, and even setting it up to get great shots. Whereas with digital, I think some of that's taken for granted because you think you can just take enough that you'll get a good one. But there's an element to it where you prepare and you make a place for a great shot. You purposely pick the right setting. You pick the right time of day. You pick the right posing. You pick the right lighting. Um, so, And that's a lot of front-end stuff. But I think a lot of that gets lost in the digital world. Because we take for granted that, like, oh, I can fix that. Oh, I can fix the color temperature and all these different things. Yeah. Thank you for, for that little diversion because I was really intrigued uh, and, and I had no idea about that part of your background. So that that's interesting. And then we, we slide over into your homeschooling children. Um, that's quite a challenge and especially in a learning environment to try to take on all the to- all the topics that are required to, I guess, to do the homeschooling. I don't know. I know just enough about it to be dangerous. Um, but it's not just a matter of you saying, okay, I'm going to go th- work my way through these one or two textbooks. You have to kind of cover all the bases all by yourself with your kids. Yes, in a sense, I do. Um, so my oldest actually just finished his freshman year in high school, and we never planned on – we never had a long-term plan. Like we're going to homeschool through middle school or through high school. We've just always taken it one year at a time, one day at a time. Let's be real. Um, <laughs> but it's worked so well for our family and our children have thrived that there hasn't been a reason to look for an alternative. And what we started to do this the last four years is we joined a group where we are we meet in person one full day a week, and once you get they get to seventh grade and older they have a they have a licensed director that leads each class, and the other four days they do their work at home and I obviously oversee everything. Um, my younger ones that are in elementary still that's very hands on 
and each subject I work with them. Um, but there is this, like once they get to middle school, you help them develop study skills and learning skills that they become more and more independent each year. Whereas like, for example, my freshman this last year was mostly proofreading his essays, giving guidance for some of his outlines for his lit class and um, and like scoring some of his math tests and that, that sort of a thing. Um, so it's more of like a managerial homeschooling aspect at that point, um, helping him manage, um, learn how to manage his time and do all sorts of things that will translate into adulthood. So it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing. And I'm very thankful we've been able to do that. Or I should say I've been able to do that because my husband will fully disclose that it's me that does the homeschooling with them. He's a great support, but I'm the one day in and day out doing that with them. Um, but I have the um, opportunity to instill in them these lifelong habits that will carry them into a career or if they want to be an entrepreneur, um, a creator of some sort, making a living. It's very practical, actually. I, I, I admire you so much for taking on that kind of task. And and not just with one, but with a lot. <laughs> That's a whole, no, whole nother animal. And so with, with all of this, with a lifelong love of, of learning, um, the, the, the photography part I think is fascinating because it forced you to evolve – you know, maybe in, in a direction you would have preferred not to, but you had to do it to sort of keep up if you wanted to. Um, so all this informs how you're going to come to MacStock and and approach the topic of learn. So what angle are you going to to come at it from? Well, I'm not I'm not going to write this in stone, but what came to me was um, for a title is the case for the lifelong learner, and with the basically tagline or mantra of we are creators and not consumers. Because if I were to boil everything down into how we've approached technology in our home is to facilitate and put tools in our children's hands to create in any way, shape, or form they can with technology before they just consume. Because I I feel pretty passionate about how all these tools like the iPhone, for example, has been placed in our hands. And we could go into statistics, which I don't have before me, about the level of addiction um, adults or well, any age has to their screens. Because the, in the design, it has so, it's, it's designed in a way that it's so easy to scroll and it's so easy to use. Look at a toddler. They can pick up an iPhone and they kind of intuitive, intuitively figure it out very quickly. And it's pretty amazing to see. Um, so because we've just, this has kind of been thrust upon our culture, um, worldwide really, we, none of us know how to manage this. And I think a lot of people are, there's a lot of people giving motivational talks or things are coming out, there's screen time, different tools to help with this. But really, that's all great. But What's really going to make a change is when we change our mindset that I'm a creator and not a consumer. And um, I, maybe I'll touch on creativity. Maybe I'll touch on the fact that I believe everyone is born creative. 
And creativity takes a lot of different forms. And so that is what, and I have a lot of ways, really practical, um, specific apps and different things that each member of my family use and do that they're creators with their tech and not just consuming YouTube videos, um, infinity pools and different platforms. Um, so that's a little just a little taste of what I believe I'm going to have all prepared for next stop. We'll see. That I, I, I'm, I'm hung up on, on your home life. Um, and I'm, but I, I think it's, it's inform, it sounds like it's informing a lot of what you're going to talk about. But the idea of trying to balance that create versus consume is is really interesting to me. Mike and I have talked, your husband, Mike and I have talked plenty of times about you know outlets of of creativity and how neither one of us believe that we are particularly creative and we're slowly trying to change our minds. But do you? Explain to me a little more about what you see as the creative part for your kids. Um, is it a matter of is it a matter of them writing a, you know a short story? Is it a matter of them you know doing a painting or a drawing or something? Or do you see other maybe physical outlets like sports as a creative endeavor um, at, that would boy I hate I, I'm I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that would cr- give them credit toward then being able to consume something. Right. Um, so the way I may have, I described it may have sounded like I'm really militant about like, okay, you have to create so many minutes or so many hours a day before you consume X amount of media. And it's really not that at all. <laughs> I don't keep track of any of it, but what I do keep, what uh, I don't want to say keep track of. So let me give you a few, let me give you a few examples just to maybe help. So I would agree with what you said, like sports are definitely a great outlet for doing something. Um, Our four boys, actually all of our children play piano, all five of them. So that's a creative endeavor. They, most of them enjoy drawing, physically drawing. Um, My one son, Malachi, loves comic books. He likes creating comic books, I should say. He doesn't actually own any comic books, which is kind of funny. But he was so into writing a story about this, these certain characters that I took the effort, which was no small effort, but he needed to finish a project because he's like one of those kids that just likes starting a million things but isn't great at finishing. Unfortunately, he gets that from his mother. So for his <laughs> sake and for my sake, we went through the effort of writing a six-chapter it's more like a graphic novel format than like a comic book where you have little boxes. It's a six chapter little comic book or graphic novel with illustrations for each chapter. And he, it's all him. I just, he dictated to me and I typed for him. Um, and I ended up putting it together as a book and printed it and we sold it. We sold 20 copies <laughs> to friends and family. And that was a big deal. And he, that was a huge creative endeavor and it was hit so many different things. Like he learned how to write a good story. We worked on his spelling because he's only nine, mind you. He was eight <laughs> when he started the book and he did nice illustrations for each of them. And then we had to learn how to appropriately ask people if they would like to buy a copy of this thing I made. 
because there's a right way to do that too. And then he learned, okay, I'm going to give 10% of everything I make to our church and I'm going to save the rest and have a big goal of getting this really amazing board game that was a Kickstarter that he wanted really bad. And he saved for 10 months and we actually just came in the mail a few days ago. So that was an example of um, helping him to be a creator and you can be inspired by things we see and by consuming different things. And he has been, but then he was able to take that inspiration and do something with it. And that's just, I mean, that's just one example with one of my children. So for each of them, it's different. Like our son, Toby, our oldest, he actually um, does all the audio editing for our intentional family podcast. And he does all the editing for Mike's bookworm podcast. And he has for almost two years now. And so that's one of his creative outlets and he gets paid for it. That's his job. You have a nine-year-old that is a published author. I feel terribly inadequate. (laughs) I mean, I'm not a published author and I'm not (laughs) nine. (laughs) Yeah, but you, you were, you were a ghostwriter. How's that? So, and, and. I was his editor in chief. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, whatever, whatever works. I, this this is fascinating. Um, I think because it's it's a different it's a different take on learn, and and it's also I think it fits into Mac stock because everything you've talked about there involves technology, but maybe not necessarily at a super high level, but just as a as a tool to accomplish the creative part of of what the kids are trying to do, and and I I just I think this is fascinating the way you've you've implemented that. And I, I've, I really want to hear more as you do your talk. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably bring in a lot more examples. Um, so, because each of them have something. Like Joshua's our super creative. He's been drawing since he was like three and can hold a pencil nicely. And so we taught him affinity design, and we bought him a full workbook, like a really thick workbook, so he could wor- he could work his way through projects and learn all the tools in the program. And we've given him little jobs to do. Like if you go on the bookworm website, there's a, you know, the um, golden book seal. Are you familiar with that? Like the golden books? Believe it or not. Um, Yeah. So Mike and Joe asked him to create, well, it was probably Mike that asked him to create um, a gold seal for the bookworm books they've reviewed that are five stars. And so now on Mike's website or the bookworm website, bookworm.fm, I believe, there's a golden seal on the five-star books that Joshua designed in an affinity designer. And so that's just another, another tool that has been used to help him have a creative outlet that could be marketable in the future. Like he could be a graphic designer as an adult. So we'll see where that goes. Another thing I love about what you're doing is that you're catching the kids early at a time in their lives when they have time. When and they, I mean, obviously they have school, okay, but and they've had plenty of other activities that that fit in with your. Uh, I hesitate to say objectives, but I'll I'll use that word. I hope everyone knows what I mean by that. Um, but you know, it's you haven't hit that those ages where you're distracted by a whole lot of other things, including just life and starting to grow up and deal with all of that. And and so you're instilling those habits early, and you, you're giving them experiences early that is going to eliminate a lot of fear and a lot of trepidation for them 
when they then encounter some of those situations later in life. Yeah. Yeah. That's the goal. So when we start young and instill those habits, then they just more naturally continue into adulthood. I mean, there's so many things I'm like, I wish I knew this when I was your age. (laughs) But I know the best I can do is instill those things in my own family and move forward. I, it's 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 a fascinating angle to come at this from, and and not just saying okay, these are these these are the five apps that you need to to use, or these are the five um, habits that you need to create. You know, it's you, you have more of a mindset approach to this. It sounds like, yeah, and that's when I believe um, change happens. Um, I don't think there's a a magic pill for fixing your tech. Um, addiction. <laughs> I don't think there's um, any screen time or any parameters you can put on it that can really change your habits. I mean, read any hab- any decent habit book and you'll find that's true. Um, so I don't, I want to help them be equipped to be able to handle these things as they grow older. Um, when our oldest turned 13, we, my, uh, handed down his iPad Pro so that he could teach him how to do audio editing. And then our second son just turned 13 last January. So he received, not an iPad Pro, I don't even know. See, I'm not the person you ask about specifics. <laughs> he got an iPad, okay? Ask Mike the model. <laughs> and it's powerful enough for he can, so he can do his designing and things like that. But it's like once they're, they've proven themselves to a point where they can be responsible and to listen to our instructions and obey our parameters, then we give them this tool. And then as we give them this tool, they gain more freedom with it as they prove themselves trustworthy. And it's like, man, as an adult, when all this tech came out, I wish someone did that with me because then I wouldn't have fallen prey to all these different things. Um, I remember... I don't know how well this is related, but it made me think of if there was something I was ever addicted to with my iPhone, it would probably be Instagram. And this was years and years ago because I'm a photographer and it's like mesmerizing when you go on Instagram because it's like people post their best moments. You're not seeing the the B-roll outtakes, you know, like the meltdowns of the family, you know, like you're seeing the highlights. And I remember when my daughter was born, our fifth child, I wanted to read a lot more than I was. I would be too tired to read because, you know, five kids, newborn, right? Um, And here my husband is reading a book every two weeks with Joe Bulig. And I'm like, I need to read more. I have (laughs) not read many this last year. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to just not use social media again and see how far I get with reading books. Well, that was 2018. I decided that when my daughter was three and a half months old, I read 24 books in 2018. Mom of five homeschooling them. And I don't say that to be like, wow, I read 24 books. Notice the habit. I replaced the habit of scrolling on Instagram And just like being trapped in that 
and I replaced it with reading. And I haven't looked back or haven't gone back to social media since then. And I don't miss it at all. And people, at first, some family members were like, well, how are we going to see your pictures? How are we going to see what's going on? I'm like, I can text you. So I text those people directly pictures of my family instead of to the world and whoever's following me. Is it fair to say that you replaced one addiction with another? Or did you break reading? an addiction? Yeah, that you've, you've replaced Instagram with reading? Is that, yeah, do you, I'm okay with being addicted to reading. Okay. I, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm asking because what I'm hearing is that, yeah, there was a need for, for that stimulation and you were getting it from Instagram and you decided that wasn't the best stimulation. So you went for a different, different kind, but you're just as addicted to that. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just an interesting choice. Yeah, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, and actually the thing that uh, made me think of social media was I went somewhere and I saw a person I knew, not not a close friend or anything like that, but they said, they commented on something my family did together. I don't even remember where we went, but I something we did. And they commented on it and I stopped and I kind of looked at them and they probably were wondering what I was thinking because I kind of gave them a look like, how did you know about that? And then it dawned on me a split second later, oh, I posted that on Instagram and I hated the feeling of, I hated how, I hated that feeling of like, I didn't actually have a conversation with you and share this about my family, but I'm the one that shared it and you saw it and commented. So they're not in the wrong at all, but for me, and people probably think I'm crazy because most people are on social media. But if I have a relationship with someone and I want to share an experience I had, especially a personal experience, I would like to do that to your face or at least on the phone and not just like post something for the world to see on some social media platform. I just, and may, you may think I'm crazy. You can tell me I'm crazy. It's fine. But that really, that kind of gave me the inspiration to like, okay, I'm going to just be done with social media. And I'm gonna just move on. I I do not think you're crazy. I think it's a. a I've got a process. Of, it's going to take me a little while. We'll talk about it at Max Talk, um, <laughs> because th I'm, I'm there's somewhere there's a connection between your approach to photography that you described earlier and your approach to this, and I'm not quite sure what it is, but I feel like there's. I, I go back to your use of the word craft. That you're you're almost crafting your relationship with others, um, very very specifically on your own terms. How, I mean, how can anybody do anything but respect that? That's so. Fair. I, I, I'm going to write down the word craft because I like that. Yeah, well, I do too. I, I do too. <laughs> I mean, I think that that defines so much of what you've described here with your you professionally, personally, and with the family. Um, <coughs> pardon me. I just, I think that is really, really interesting. Well, that's good. Well, I, I don't I, mind I, if people think I'm crazy, but that's where I'm at with it. <laughs> no, I think, I think you're going to generate a lot of conversation. Um, if, if your talk goes anything like this, and of course, you know, we've, we've gone a lot of different directions. I know you're going to, we always tell the, everyone, 
please don't come and do your presentation here. That's not what this is for. This is to get to, for folks to get to know you and get an idea of what you're going to be talking about. And I think there are going to be people listening to this and they're going to start out having questions that they want to ask you. And there are going to be more questions after you're finished. And I, I, that's why we go to MacStock. That's why I, I personally love the topic of learn this year because I think it's, it's so interesting and it's so, so much fun to learn how other people think about things. I've, I've, I've gained something from this conversation. I hope others have. I know folks will get a lot out of your talk at MacStock. Well, thanks, Chuck. I hope so. (laughs) I I hope so too. So ordinarily at this point, I would ask, you know, where can folks find you on social media? But but they can't. So we'll just leave that alone. We'll just say, hey, if you want to talk to Rachel, you're going to have to come to Backstock. It's oddly, that's kind of where it's at. And I have been hosting Intentional Family since 2020, April of 2020. And I just say I'm FM, but there's no link to even connect with me. Um, So since then, Mike and I have started Faith-Based Productivity Circle Community Group, and that's a way I've been able to connect with people directly. But I believe that community is now behind a paywall. Um, So I I am interested in having a way for people to contact me more quickly, and I'm hoping to have something before MaxDoc. But as of right now, I'm not really willing to give out my personal email. <laughs> and so, yeah, they might have to come to MaxDoc to talk to me at this point. Not great, I know, but. <laughs> no, that's not a bad thing. And if you have something available at that point, um, you know, I've, I've really, again, I, I respect your choices. They're, they're working, they're obviously working for you and your family. And that's probably the biggest, best measure of success right there. So. So, folks, if you want to see Rachel or talk to Rachel, you're going to have to come to Woodstock, Illinois, and, and attend attend Max Talk. Um, and if not, then maybe you know if if you're nice to all of us, we'll we'll give you some way to contact Rachel, assuming she has something at that point, um, so that you can get your questions answered. But I just I think this is this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a real good one. Rachel, thanks so much for the time and for sharing so much. I know, uh, I hope none of it got too personal, but uh, it was a great conversation. Thanks, Chuck. I really appreciate you having me. And uh, you made it very easy for me to answer all the questions and talk about MaxDoc and what's to come. Good. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. Again, Mac's.conferenceandexpo.com. We're going to have a great time. We're going to learn a lot from all the folks we've talked to so far, all the ones we will continue to talk to, especially from Rachel uh, at Mac's.conference and Expo. Until the next time, and as always, thanks for watching. Visit MacVoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices.
Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.